This is the Norris Group's Real Estate Investor Radio Show, the award-winning show dedicated to thought leaders shaping the real estate industry and local experts revealing their insider tips to succeed in an ever-changing real estate market. Hosted by author, investor, and hard money lender, Bruce Norris. Hey everybody, it's Aaron Norris with the Norris Group. It is May 22nd. Oh my goodness, COVID-19 has definitely made producing this radio show very difficult. By the time we always have to sort of record at the very end of the week, which makes it more challenging to get guests. And this week I just didn't get a, a guest. It's just been so crazy. Um, and, you know, we've been doing the radio show for 13 years. We've only ever missed one show. Um, and we just sort of simplifying uh, we won't always do videos moving forward. We just produce a lot of content, but I want the radio show always to be tight, data-driven inspiration for real estate investors. And, you know, it was 25 minutes originally because we had a radio show for 10 years and that was our time slot. Um, and also, you know, after 25 minutes, it feels very selfish. I'm asking you to listen, give up a portion of your weekend to hear us talk. And I always want to make it good. So I guess even though we don't have an official radio show, um, it, we always try to keep it as tight as possible. Um, today, I'm actually going to go through some of the headlines. Um, I didn't want to be noise either in COVID-19. You know, a lot of it's, it's, it's the same stories. There's a lot that's happening um, for VIP subscribers. Instead of doing a newsletter this last quarter, we did that investor town hall and they got to participate live. Um, and we've just been really waiting for the data because so much has really changed over the last um, couple months. And I've really been watching how they control uh, the coronavirus, um, hoping that, you know, the, the three different routes, whether it be the antibody, the um, the vaccine, and then the medications that could assist in people recovering uh, more effectively and quicker uh, would assist in, in opening up the economy. Um, and just watching how the real estate market sort of uh, deals with that. And so we've got real estate and then we've got the financial markets. There's just a lot to cover. So um, containment and control. That's still what I'm watching. You know, I think all 50 states as of this week have a plan to roll out. Um, it's the fourth play phase plan that everybody's talking about. Um, several parts of California are on phase two right now. And the virus is one thing and the impact on the economy is something that I think is a, a far more scary. And, you know, at this point with it going on globally, we're we're all connected. So it's not just watching what we're doing in the United States and California and our local cities. It's what's happening globally. Um, it affects supply chains. It's, it's crazy. So there's lots of discussion about uh, recession and depression and the shape that that's going to take from an L to a V to even a W as people worry about sort of a second phase of the coronavirus coming through um, in winter. Unemployment in the U.S. now is 39 million, and some states are worse than others. Nevada, uh, very reliant on tourism and the service industry. Um, I think it was something over 25%, something like 28%. Um, here in California, we went from 3.9% uh, in February to 53 in March, and of course, we really didn't have the shutdown until mid-March. Um, and I haven't seen the official number for April just yet, but I know it's bad, and there are particular cities like the city of Los Angeles that are horrendous. Um, but here's the thing. It's really not the complete com picture. Unfortunately, you have a lot of people that have exhausted their benefits that were already on unemployment since March and they haven't gotten anything. So from March to May, you've got people out of unemployment benefits that are off that radar. They're about to come back on as of next week. The pandemic, uh, the pandemic relief effort that they've been doing rolls out phase three, which starts next week in the state of California. And it expands, uh, 
um, the unemployment benefits for an additional 13 weeks. So um, the number is going to get worse before it gets better. Um, so I'm sure the headlines in the news media is really going to play that up, but it's been in the works for a long time. Um, more than half the mortgages in the first quarter were refinancing. Um, and it will be very interesting to watch Q2 since the rates uh, were supposed to have dropped. They're starting to come down. Um, I've heard some good things about loans have been really busy. All the lenders that I know for people who qualify, they've been slammed. Um, refinances as interest rates dip below 3%. The Mortgage Bankers Association did a survey on servicers, and they say that 8.16% of loans um, are in some sort of forbearance, and some lenders are you know, dealing it with it more than others. Jenny May loans uh, had 11.26% of their loans uh, in forbearance, while independent uh, mortgage servicers reported a 7.85%. So that's a pretty big difference. And the FHAFA announced, FHFA announced the extension of foreclosure moratoriums for Fannie and Freddie all the way through June 30th. So uh, one of the hard things to follow is you've got things happening at the Fed level, you've then got the state, and then, you know, some of the some of the things are happening at the local markets, which is just insane to watch. So I know there's a bill in process right now that looks at um, some sort of forbearance that's attached to not just the state state of emergency, but also a local state of emergency, stopping foreclosures until that's lifted. So you could have a very pro, like a progressive city decide to just have a state of emergency moving forward for the foreseeable future. And until they lift it, no foreclosures can proceed. And I, I think that's a, a really scary mistake. Um, if you had companies leaving California now, you know, why why would you as a lender, well, mind you, the bill that's being worked on right now is for business purpose too, so it would affect hard money. So for th those of us in the flip business, for the rental business, you might have capital really exit the state if there's no real clarity on uh, the foreclosure rules. You're really messing with contract law. I suspect the state is going to get sued by somebody, but holy cow. I mean, how, how are you as a lender going to have a different scenario, not just for this every state, but also every county and city? Oh my, that's insane. As far as building goes, building permits fell by almost 21% from March to April. And it definitely appears like builders are just sort of taking a wait and see approach on the side. Now, Unlike the last um, uh, market, like in uh, 06, 07, we don't have entire tracks. They've been mostly building to suit. So they're not standing on, uh, sitting on a bunch of inventory that's standing. They're just not uh, moving forward with starts right now. So, you know, if the market picks up, uh, actually, they may even be willing to start jumping in if the economy can open up. Because in some cases, flipper homes, new construction, and the iBuyer model is really going to be an advantage as people don't want to uh, be touring homes that are currently occupied. Um, on both sides, the buyer and the seller just just might decide, hey, I don't want people coming inside my house and I don't know if they're healthy or, you know, and then you might have buyers going to take a quick pass, not just because you have, you know, personal pictures on the wall and uh, terrible chase, uh, choices of furniture <laughs> and wallpaper, um, but just because they're worried about their health and how many people have come through and if they're going to get sick by visiting your home. So uh, I've heard from flippers that their homes are definitely showing and it seems to be a benefit to be vacant. Um, also, the side benefit right now is that only the people that are really looking right now um, are in the homes. So that's going to be something really interesting to watch over the next couple months as we enter phase two and three of opening up. Um, empty houses, way to go. 
Um, yes, iBuyers are back. Um, Redfin, Zillow, and Open Door all announced within the last couple of weeks that they are back on the market. Now, um, they have smaller staffs. Several of them had, uh, you know, up to 30% staff cuts. And probably the financing behind them are probably going to keep a close eye on profitability <laughs> in the next couple of years. Now, with the model of the iBuyers, you know, they're buying it directly from the uh, the buyer, the sellers that are then moving out. They're doing slight fixes and they're basically selling an empty, slightly uh, refurbished home, which is definitely going to work well in their favor right now. And moratoriums should not impact them. So um, I could understand why they're going to go ahead and step forward. We'll just have to wait and see and pay cl close attention to the buy box. Um, uh, I buyers had really become an important part of flippers in California. They were going after the things that the I buyers wouldn't deal with, uh, situations, if you will, um, hoarder homes, people that had to, you know, have a little bit more creativity. Uh, where I buyers are really built for scale, they just want down and dirty, really fast transactions. So investors were locking up properties, dejunking them and wholesaling them to these I buyers. And so I know quite a few in investors who are really bummed when they exited. Well, they're back. So I can't wait to talk to you that I know we're personally sort of chasing that model, flipping to them um, and to see how you feel. Um, and if they're buying as aggressively um, and the same stuff. Um, I've been following the I boxes by county um, for the last uh, year and a half. So I'm very interested to watch the next couple of months what they decide to do. So for the state of California, sales fell 25.6% in April from March and was down 30% from last year. Huge drop. However, the median price was only down 1% across, you know, for the entire state. But again, that is just not the whole story. And I'm really interesting, uh, interested in watching what uh, Joey in our office came up with the term, the Cove Exodus. Um, the concept that not everybody is going to be comfortable with density moving forward, and there's a few different things at play. If my boss just gave me the go-ahead to work from home moving forward, um, and I've had this uh, urban existence, and for health reasons, I'm like, you know what? I can work from anywhere, and I'm paying really high rent, and I'm, I'm in a high-risk market with a very high population of homelessness, um, I'm going to move to the outer city limits. Or, hey, why not just move to Riverside? So I have some uh, some personal experience with this. Uh, a, a year ago, I stopped living in downtown, downtown Los Angeles part-time. Uh, about three years ago, I looked at buying something in downtown L.A., and the cheapest thing I could find was a 400-square-foot condo um, Looked like a hotel room, uh, barely fit a, a king size bed. It, it probably needed a good 20 grand worth of work to sort of bring back to life. It was very dated and it, it was 400 grand. And then the HOA alone was $700,000, sorry, $700 a month for the HOA for the building. So really expensive and just not nice and uh, just wasn't into it. So we decided to, to rent um, for a couple years, and the rent ended up being 2300 for a nice apartment building, but it was a one-bedroom, nothing that special. It was just one bedroom, one bathroom, kitchen. I guess it had granite, so somewhat fancy. I don't know. It was downtown. But if I could take that 2300 and why we decided to do that was the commute time from Riverside to L.A., if you weren't waking up at 5 in the morning and tackling that drive early, it was taking an hour and a half to two hours each way. You were giving up at minimum three to four hours per day. And on really bad days like a Friday, you could be spending three hours going one way coming from L.A. to Riverside. 
I mean, the time value of money, it's crazy how much people are willing to give away of their life. Now, with COVID-19, you have a lot of employers for the first time getting, well, getting, forcing to look at remote work um, to survive. And I'm sure everybody's looking that at that at a different way to look at productivity. If people were able to get their work done on time, um, a lot of surveys are coming back and a lot of employees have been really happy. You have huge companies like Facebook and Twitter saying, you know what, moving forward, yeah, we're going to look at, uh, we're not going to buy fancy or build fancy commercial buildings anymore to house our employees. We're going to look at allowing them to work from anywhere. Um, there's also in, in, subsequent articles that have released they're looking at pay scale too if you don't have to live in a market like san francisco in the bay area you don't have to make three hundred thousand dollars to um uh, have a condo um so uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch so the concept of a, a covexodus is that i'm going to move to more rural markets if i'm able to work anywhere um i can live in riverside and not have to give up three hours of my life um actually buy a home for what i'm spending in rent and save all that money and spend it in the economy and have a huge lifestyle upgrade. How interesting is that? So uh, I'm just going to be really fascinated to watch. Now, when I was looking at the, the data from the California Association of Realtors for, for April, the Riverside price change uh, month over month from March to April, nothing. San Bernardino actually saw an increase of 2.8%. Orange County, their price was down 2.4%. San Francisco was 2.7% up. So uh, I think you're going to possibly have winners and losers in, in the market, and it could be very micro. You could have people in Los Angeles downtown areas say, yeah, I'm out. This is crazy. Um, I can't sustain living here. I'm uncomfortable. Um, I'm going to live on the outskirts if my boss lets me work from anywhere. And um, who knows? Maybe they would even be willing to take less money for a more flexible schedule. Um it's going to be very, very interesting to watch. Um, I'm really watching the political stuff right now. California, I, I'm really worried f uh, from the state perspective. You know, you had the big Tesla uproar, um, watching them really push back and open anyway and basically say, we're moving to Nevada and Texas unless we get treated really well moving forward. Um, and then you've got, it's not just that, the extreme controls, it's, it's them messing with contract law. So um, I've been emailing back and forth this week with a, a journalist that I've known for over a decade that writes on mortgages. And he's saying that the there's a current bill that's in process that uh, affects all loans, whether it's um, non-owner occupied loans, um, business purpose loans. It's basically you just can't foreclose. As I mentioned, it's tied to the state of emergency that's going on right now. If they're able to do that, I just don't know how things like crowdfunding, hard money lenders, um, I just don't know how the finance world will view California and say, you know, that's just not the rate anymore. California is too risky. There's no clarity on how I can proceed if somebody uh, doesn't make payments. And there's nobody's really talking about it's got to be COVID related or it's, you know, you've got to show proof. It's just a blanket. We're doing it for everybody. Don't worry about it. Don't pay. I just don't like, uh, I just don't think that's going to do well for the economy um, and lending and finance overall. Um, I have got wind that some states, for those of you who are just like, this is it. This is the <laughs> straw that broke the camel's back. I move into Nevada. There are states that are so upside down in revenue at the county level that uh, states that don't have income taxes are looking 
at it for the first time. Um, so that's something else I, I want to start following over the next six months as states deal with the states and, and localities. Um, they were already having buried. I, I know the county of Riverside, for instance, was really buried in an adjustment that the CalPERS system made. And so it was the county, it was the city, everybody was looking at huge deficits and the cuts that they were going to have to make already pre-COVID because of the large um, commitment to the CalPERS retirement program that they were going to have to start backfilling. For a decade, CalPERS was miscalculating um, and they were running their averages, I think, on a, an expected 6 or 7% return, which they didn't reach for like on average over the last decade. So it's like all of a sudden they came back and said, yeah, we're going to have to make up for that. And here's the real number. Um, so that completely shook a lot of counties and cities that are looking at huge deficits already. And now you basically have shut down the economy, sales tax, um, you have unpaid property tax, all that kind of stuff for the last two months. And a lot of that is going to continue for at least the next month. Um, they're in trouble. Uh, they're looking at huge budget gaps now on top of that problem. And I just don't know how to get out of it. It's going to be crazy. So Lots of things to, to watch. Um, it's probably going to have to happen on the backs of some kind of tax increases at the local level, um, which is not going to be popular, which might have more people leave. Um, hopefully the federal government will step in uh, at some level. It looks like that's the way that they've decided to solve some of it. Uh, you know, it was always, it was interesting to watch um, Pelosi say, we need another two trillion, uh, $1 trillion in funds, you know, a month ago. And Trump's like, $1 trillion? We need $2 trillion. And now there's another $3 trillion bill in the works where Democrats and Republicans are fighting. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're clearly going to see at least one more round of uh, aid that starts with a T um, and how they decide to position that money. Uh, but it does look like cities and, and uh, governments are going to be part of that. And it will be interesting, interesting to watch how they end up possibly dealing with the retirement system at the same time. Um, it's not just the budget gap that was caused by COVID-19. It was already problems with the retirement accounts that they were facing. So I'm going to be very interested to watch to see uh, how they do this moving forward. Um, the state of California also released some more housing. Uh, California Association of Realtors put out a, a press release on the housing initiatives that just got released, and it had to do with CEQA uh, requirements and easing uh, product production. But who wants to build in this environment? And if the finance situation gets really bad because some of the stuff that the legislators are doing... I <laughs> This could be a mess for a year to come. So anyway, just a little bit of a news update of some of the stuff we'll be following over the next several weeks. Hopefully we'll be back to producing a regular radio show um, next week. We've just been trying to make it as current as possible. And this whole situation makes that very challenging because everything moves on the day to day. Hope all your investments are going well and you are staying sane and safe. Hang in there, and we'll see you next week. The Norris Group originates and services loans in California and Florida under California DRE License 01219911, Florida Mortgage Lender License 1577, and NMLS License 1623669. For more information on hard money lending, go to thenorrisgroup.com and click the hard money tab. For more information on hard money loans and upcoming events with the Norris Group, check out thenorrisgroup.com. For information on passive investing with trust deeds, visit tngtrustdeeds.com.